If you think of the word comfort, what immediately springs to your mind? Well, perhaps this afternoon it'll be a cushion, and by the time you leave here, you'll be glad that you had brought the cushion. So that might be the thing that comes into your mind when you think of comfort. Or it might be, ladies, comfort to make your washing nice and soft, pleasurable. Or it might be food, which you'll get just in a little while. That may comfort you. That may spring to your mind. Or it might just be a hand, just a hand touching yours, helping you through moments of grief or bereavement, as some of you have, of course, experienced recently. Or maybe a hug. Thank you. A hug can say what words can't. So these are things that might spring into your mind when you think of the word comfort. But we want to look today on the subject of comfort in your Christian life through the resource of deity, through the scriptures, through conviction, through the care of elders, and through companions in travel. And if we get through that, you'll be glad you brought your cushion, I'm sure. Thanks, Nicholas. The next one will be the resource of deity. So we'll read together as the uh, programme or the advert for the programme suggested we should not to neglect the public reading of the Word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul is writing to the church of God in Corinth with all the saints who are in, in all Achaia. And he says, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. It's a church setting. I think it's the setting of the church, the body of Christ. But of course, he's speaking specifically to the church of God in Corinth, the expression visibly of what the church, the body of Christ, should be like. And it seems to me that what Paul is saying here is putting all the experiences of life into context. This is the God in whom we live and move and have our being. And Paul is describing him as the God of all comfort. And so as we go through our Christian life and all the experiences that come to us in Christian life, it's for a purpose that how God works in your life and comforts you, you might be able to help someone else. So this is a building up of the body of Christ. This is a building up of disciples in churches of God, say, who can be greatly helped by the experience you've had in your Christian life. Comfort. Imagine having the resource of deity. The resource of deity to help you and to strengthen you in your Christian experience. So he's called the God of all comfort. This is not Paul's experience only, and it's certainly not exclusive to him. 
And Paul knows that. What, an, what a tremendous amount of suffering Paul had to endure for the sake of his Saviour. And so that comes through in his writings. The experience that he has had, he's using it to encourage other disciples in the letters that he writes to them. So we have the God of all comfort as the first resource of deity. Thank you. Sorry, that should have been up before. We'll go to the next one now, Nick, please. Thank you. And we'll think about the Lord Jesus himself. The God of all comfort and now Jesus himself. So let's read John chapter 14, please. Again, these are scriptures that you know well, but it's good just to read them over together. John chapter 14, verse 1. He was speaking now to disciples who were troubled. He's told them that he's going away. And what was their reaction? Well, naturally, they were downhearted. So he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Over to verse 18. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. And listen to this, because I live, you will live also. What a... What an encouragement. What an encouragement. to Because I live, you're going to live. What did he mean by that? Well, of course, looking forward to another day, that was true. That would happen. But I think the Lord is saying he, he wanted these men to live in the present, in the power of his resurrected life that they would learn about in due course. I'm not going to leave you desolate. I'm not going to leave you comfortless as orphans. But I'm going to come to you. How was that going to How I'm going to come to you? How? Well, he had said to them previously, I go to prepare a place for you, and I come again, and I'll receive you to myself. That word receive is one of the loveliest words. It's the marriage word, you know. It's a face-to-face, one-to-one experience. You remember how the Lord said to Joseph, Don't be frightened to take to you Mary, your wife. That's the same word as receive. So here's a lovely thought of how personally the Lord wants to deal with his disciples, one to one. He says, one day I'm coming back and I'm going to receive you, not to heaven, the place that I'm going to prepare, but I'm going to receive you to myself. That makes it exceedingly precious. What a comfort he was giving to those men. I'm coming back and I'll receive you to myself. I come to you. What did he mean by that? Well, he was maybe thinking of resurrection. But I think also he was going to come to them in the person of the Holy Spirit. And that takes us on to the next slide, please. The resource of deity through the Holy Spirit. John 14, where you are, and verse 16. And the Lord said to those men, I'll pray the Father... And he will give you another helper, another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Now, you've been taught before that the word another there means another of the same kind. So the Lord's saying, my going away is not going to be an experience of bereavement. I'm going to leave you another comforter, just like me. Another of the What a comfort that must be for the disciples of that day and for us too. We have the Holy Spirit who is a comforter, just like the Lord himself 
is a comforter. So we're, the fact that the Lord isn't with us doesn't make our, less, our life in any way uh, negative or less than it would have been had he been here. In the person of the dear Holy Spirit, it's as precious as having the Savior with us. And that's a great comfort to us, is it not, in our Christian experience. Another comfort that he says, one of the same kind, and that he was soon to be poured out into their lives, of course, at Pentecost. He's called the Spirit of Truth. And the ministry of the Holy Spirit says, He shall teach you all things and bring to your remembrance, wherever you are, something that, of course, they couldn't have experienced had the Lord been there himself. He was limited to a place, to a time. The Holy Spirit is not so limited at all. He'll be with you forever, and he'll teach you all things and bring to your remembrance, wherever you are, all that I said to you. That's what I think the Lord was meaning when he said, I come to you. In the person of the Holy Spirit, he was coming to those men, and they were going to receive, by the help and ministry of the Holy Spirit, he was going to reveal to them and remind them of the things that the Lord himself had taught them. What a comfort to them. And then the Spirit is also described as being a helper. He's a comforter, he's an advocate, he's a helper. And when we come to 1 John chapter 2, if any man sin, we have an advocate or a helper or a comforter with the Father, and he's identified there as Jesus Christ, the righteous. So is this not enhanced comfort for the disciple today? Not only the Holy Spirit, but you have the person of the Lord Jesus Christ as your advocate to the advocate in the person of the, the Lord Jesus and in the person of the Holy Spirit. You couldn't want for anything more. You go through days of difficulty in your Christian life. Just think about it. You've got two advocates. You've got two helpers. You've got two comforters. The Lord himself and then the Holy Spirit who indwells you and who never leaves you. He's with you forever. Thank you. And again, here's something else that Holy Spirit does from Romans chapter 8. The Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we don't know, we don't know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. We read that verse and we enjoy it. But we forget the next verse sometimes. And the next verse is very important. Now he, God, God who searches the heart, knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Just get that picture that the Spirit is making groanings. He's speaking in a way that you or I couldn't. We feel the depth of our experience but the Spirit is able to present that to the God who searches the heart. And the God, the Father, knows the mind of the Spirit, and he knows perfectly well the comfort that you and I need through whatever trial we may be going. So it's a great, great comfort that, verse 27, as well as uh, verse 26. And then, of course, when you come across to Hebrews chapter 2, you get the picture there of the Lord Jesus as a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God 
to make propitiation for the sins of the people, which takes us to Isaiah 40 and the desire of God that his people should know comfort. God's a God who longs for the comfort of his people then and now, no change. He still longs for his people to know the comfort that he's able to give to them. The word comfort itself embraces the thought of encouragement and strengthening. So it's not, not just the, the comfort in times of sadness, but it's the thought too of strengthening your life to cope with the Christian life that God wants you to lead. Comfort my people, he said. What a, what a lovely comforting word for the Lord to give to his folks who were going through difficult days because of their own sinfulness and waywardness. How God was reaching out, just longing to gather his people together and to let them know an experience of great comfort through his abiding presence. So that's our encouragement today in churches of God. We may have difficult times, but God wants us to know his comfort and encouragement. And in the person, his own person, and through his son, and by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we have the resource of deity to encourage us in our Christian life. Here. So we come to the next part, comfort from the scriptures. Romans 15 and 4, whatever things were written before were written for our learning that through the patience and comfort of the scriptures we might have hope. Things that were written your Bible that you have in your hands today, written by men who were moved by the Holy Spirit. And the ministry of the Holy Spirit embraces Old Testament and New Testament. What's there in your hands today is written by men who were moved by the Holy Spirit. And teaching from the Holy Spirit, who is described as the Spirit of Truth, is something that brings comfort to your life and gives you hope. There you are. There's another aspect of comfort, hope. To have a living hope, and as we'll see in a minute, a better hope. The living hope in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. I've said the antidote to despondency in the trials of life. Just to know that you've got a living hope centered there in the person of the Lord Jesus, and there for you in the future, absolutely guaranteed. But then what a comfort when we come together tomorrow, God willing, to remember the Lord Jesus, that we have not only a living hope, but we've got a better hope. And that's what Hebrews chapter 6 is telling us. Let me just read it to you. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of this hope set before us the hope we have as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast which enters the presence behind the veil that's a great comforting hope for the people of God and you lay hold upon that tomorrow morning God willing that you can enter into the presence which is behind the veil the very presence of God because of the effectiveness of the work of Christ and the work too of the Holy Spirit I think there's, uh, there's almost the, the feeling of something legal here, it seems, 
uh, in the, the thing that this matter of having an anchor sure and steady, something absolutely guaranteed. It's like a will being written which can never ever be, be revoked, nor is there a codicil to it. God has said it and it's sure and it's steadfast. The anchor of the ship is down in the depths. Our anchor is up there in the heavens where the Lord is. And that's our great confidence that we can come into the presence of God tomorrow, God willing. Without fear and trembling, we lay hold upon that anchor that we have in Christ. When Satan tempts me to despair, and boy does he. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. What a comfort it is to have in the glory, seated at the right hand of the majesty and high, the glorious person of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the teaching of the spirit of truth in the scriptures brings comfort and it brings hope to us. Till he comes. That's the watchword tomorrow. When we come in to the presence of God tomorrow, it's till he come. And we lay hold on that. And that comforts the heart, doesn't it? It's just until he come. The trials of life may be few, they may be severe, but they're for a limited time. He's coming back and we grasp that and that comforts our heart, I hope. Thank you, uh, Nicholas. Sorry to wake you up. Thank you. Comfort in conviction. Perhaps just a word for younger disciples today, but for all of us, of course. This is an older man speaking to a younger man. And he says, you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. From childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith. In the Ephesians Scripture there, you get the picture of like children being tossed to and fro and You'll find today, young folks, as we all do, that your faith is under attack, your morals are under attack by this cold world that we're living in, and there's a great danger that we can be thrown off course. Now here's Paul saying to Timothy, you remember not just what you've learned, but who you've learned them from. And it's good to remember the folk who have taught you in your younger days the character of the men and women who have taught you and who have encouraged you. Remember these men and women. They've gone through it too and they speak from experience. And there's the comfort that we can have from the scriptures and from men and women who have helped us in our younger days. So let's not be like children tossed to and fro from about with every wind of doctrine from the slight of men. But we rest upon that picture of the word. Thank you. Next one. We rest upon the picture of the word there. You base your life on what the Bible says. You commit yourself to what the scriptures teach. And these are the things that will comfort you. And you know, if you can go through your Christian life with an absolute conviction, that's a comfort. That's a great strength to you. Rather than being tossed around wondering, is this right or this wrong? You allow the Spirit, the gracious Holy Spirit, the one who can take, he says, of the things that are mine and reveal them to you. The Holy Spirit's ministry takes the things of Christ 
and can encourage and teach your heart in them. So stand fast in the Lord, young folk. Stand fast in the faith. And having done all, stand for the Lord. That's the encouragement that we'd like to give you today. Thank you. We'll move on to slightly older folks now. Just a little word, a soft word of encouragement for elders today. Thank you. From 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter is writing to elders, of course, in chapter 5 there, in their care of the flock of God. And he says to them, as you know, casting all your care or all your anxiety upon him, because he cares for you. The word anxiety means pulled in different directions. And elders know that experience, being pulled in different directions. And here's the great comfort that Peter is trying to give to those dear elders. Um, And he gives it to them, not from the God of all comfort, but from the God of all grace, same person. The God of all comfort is the God of all grace. And he says to those dear men, in all the anxieties that they're feeling in their care for the flock, he says, he cares for you. The literal translation of the Greek says this, because to him it matters concerning you. I like that. It matters to God. It really does matter to God, he's saying. And he's longing that they'll know the presence of the Lord to help them in their work of caring for the flock. Dear Paul, pressing daily the anxiety, pulling apart the experiences of looking after the churches, how it was getting, at, getting to him, but he knew the strength, strengthening grace from the God of all grace. And so Peter says, after you've suffered a little while, just a little while, in comparison with the expanse of eternity, after you've suffered a little while, let me just read it to you, the three or four words that he uses. First Peter chapter 5. May the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory after you have suffered a little while perfect, establish, strengthen and in the New King James Version it says to settle you. It's not in the Revised. But it's a lovely thought of how the God of all grace can achieve these different aspects of care in the life of an elder in the churches of God. Perfecting is the word restoring. It's the mending of nets, making them fit for purpose. And God wants to make elders fit for the purpose of caring for the flock. And it's the God of all grace who can do that, dear brothers. It's the God of all grace who can do that. These men who were at the seaside repairing their nets, where did they, how did they learn how to repair nets? Well, it says they were with their father. The father showed them how to do it. And so younger men learn from older men and get the skill of being able to care for the saints and the churches of God. He then uses the word establish. 
don't suppose you expect to come from a conference and be told to take steroids, but that's what the word is. That's the word. It's a steroids word. And we need spiritual strength, spiritual steroids, dear fellow elders, to continue the work of care for the flock of God. Be watchful and strengthen the things that remain. Brian took us to Luke chapter 22 in Peter's experience. Once you've turned again, was the word to Peter, strengthen your brethren. Peter, use your experience. Use the experience that's happened to you to strengthen your brothers. And that's another work of caring for the flock today. Use the experience that you go through, brothers, to help others and to strengthen and encourage and feed the flock of God. Strengthen the hands which hang down sometimes. Sometimes the feeble knees need reinvigorated. And here's the work of the God of all grace in doing that. Strengthened with power, rooted and grounded in love. And then this lovely other word that comes in, to settle you, not like a shipwreck settles, but just to settle you. Have that absolute confidence in the great shepherd himself to enable you as a shepherd amongst God's people. So that just for your encouragement today, brothers. Thank you. Comfort as we get near the end. Comfort from companions in travel. Thank you. A lovely way in which Paul described men who, who are with him in Acts 19. He describes them in Colossians 4 as my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God. Now there's these men there, we, we haven't time to go through them, but that's a good study. Get to know Paul's companions and travel and learn from them and say, could I be a Tychicus? Could I be an Aristarchus? Could I be a Mark? Could I be an Epaphras, a Titus, an Esiphorus, Archippus? Could I be a man like that? What an encouragement from Paul to be. Men who were fellow workers unto the kingdom of God. This sense of unity in trying to enhance the outworking of the kingdom of God in his day and also in ours. Psalm 119 and 63 says, I am a companion of all who fear you and of those who keep your precepts. Brothers and sisters, that's the sort of companions to have in your Christian life to help you. That's where you get great comfort from to be with men and women of like nature as yourself perhaps, steeped in the scriptures, loving the precepts of God and fearing the God whom he serves. So that's one, another aspect of comfort in your Christian life. Thank you. And again, one of the iconic images for me in 2016 was this image here. Some of you perhaps have done or competed or know about triathlons and the Brownlee brothers are experts in that particular sport. The triathlon is a four kilometre swim, it's a 120 kilometre bike ride and it's a 30 kilometre run at the end of it. And these two brothers with others were competing in Mexico in the World Triathlon Series. 
120, 124, 154 kilometres. And with 700 metres to go, just 700 metres to go, uh, Johnny, the younger brother, was beginning to feel the effects of the heat. It was so humid and hot. He was in Mexico, as I say. And he began staggering about all over the place. Um, he wanted to win because if he won, it would take him to the top of the rankings. 700 metres to go after 150 kilometres. Near the end, but he couldn't make it. And he stumbled to the ground. His older brother, Alistair, who was perhaps a more gifted athlete, was coming behind him on this occasion. And the older brother just leaned down and got his young brother, put his arms round about him, and helped him over the line. A tremendous picture of what Christian life should be like. Sometimes we're finding difficulty in going to finish the course, and it just needs someone to come alongside us. It was an older brother helping a younger brother, but it needn't be that. It could be a younger brother, sister, helping an older brother or sister. But just someone there to strengthen you and to encourage you to reach the line and get over the line, to finish the course, as Paul himself did.